Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So I had a chance to uh, talk with uh, our previous youth pastor, uh, Justin Keel. He was in town a little while ago, and uh, he's living in Texas, and he was telling me about how um, he's got his kids, his daughter, they, they put them in uh, a baseball league in Texas, and, and in his community, by the time he got there, they were all filled up, and the only one that was left, and he said, now I could see why, but the only one that was left was non-competitive t-ball. And now if you know Justin, I mean, he loves baseball. And he says, I don't know what they're playing out there, but it is not baseball. He, he says that uh, he, he was driving me crazy. He says, everybody gets to hit every single inning. And no matter, he says, if you're out, you're still safe. No matter what happens, you're safe. They never get you out there. And then he says, and then after every inning, everyone goes out and they all run around the bases and everyone gets to touch home plate. And he says, and the worst part of it all is at the end of the season, everybody gets a participation trophy. And he was just like, that is not baseball because he knows, like you know, that baseball, real baseball, takes work and effort and focus you know, that not everybody is always safe, that, that you, have to, you have to work to get on base. And, uh, and the first rule that you're going to teach your kid when they're playing t-ball or baseball is what? Keep your eye on the ball, right? Be focused in the middle of this. I found a little video of guys playing baseball who are having a tough time keeping their eye on the ball. If you would play that, please. <laughs> So you got to keep your eye on the ball here. And listen, I want to talk about something in 2023 that is so important for us to be diligent. We're actually going to have to work hard at this, and we're going to have to be focused, and we're going to have to keep our eye on the ball. And this is one thing that I know, I'm just certain, in this year, if you are not focused, if you aren't mindful of this, you're going to lose it. And in this focus series, the one thing that I'm talking about, the way I want to finish this up, is I want to talk about your peace. And I want to talk about focused peace. And that actually you're going to have to keep your eye on the ball this year if you want to keep your peace. There's a couple reasons. First of all, because anxiety and fear stink. I mean, it's just better to be at peace, right? I remember years ago, I went to a counselor talking about anxiety and fear. And he says, well, Carl, it's just an emotion. You know, they're just emotions. And emotions come and emotions go. And it's true. But they're stinky emotions. I'd rather you not have them. And actually, I think the enemy wants to torment you with fear and anxiety and just feeling antsy. And I actually think it is your right as a child of God to have peace. You see, the perfect love casts out fear. God is perfect love. When we draw near to him, we are actually not meant to be in worry, anxiety, antsiness, and fear. We are actually meant to be at peace. 
So that's the first reason I want you to focus on that. But here's the second reason. It is nearly impossible to do kingdom work out of fear. It's nearly impossible to do what God wants you to do when you're worried. Because when you fear and when you worry, you start grabbing onto the solutions of man and you let go of the solutions of God. The solutions of the kingdom don't come in your fear. The solutions of the kingdom of God, they come in your peace. Have you, have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I just got antsy and I just got afraid, so I made the right decision? Never works that way, right? I think about um, King Saul. So he's, he's made king, and it's one of his first moves. And Samuel says, okay, now you're going to go out and you're going to fight, but before, you're going to do a sacrifice. And I want you to wait for me, and I will do the sacrifice, and then you'll go out and fight. And so Saul is waiting, and Samuel is a long time in coming, and he's waiting, and he starts to get antsy. And his people are starting to leave. So he freaks out, and he takes control out of fear, and he does the sacrifice himself, and it doesn't work, does it? It's the beginning of the end for him. And I've got a word of advice for you, a word of counsel here. Okay, now, if you are physically threatened, that's the exception. If a bus is about to hit you, be afraid, jump out of the way. But every other decision, don't decide out of fear. If you're like, well, I did this because I was afraid, it's the wrong place, it is the wrong base to make a decision. Wait, wait until you have peace. And we make our, our decisions out of peace because that's where God flows and God speaks to us. God's never afraid. He's never worried, right? And I want you to understand that peace is actually your right. It's a right, not because you're an American, but because you are a child of God. It's actually one of the things Jesus gave us. Let's look at this. So we've read this before, and it's John 14. And this is what Jesus says. He says, peace I leave with you. Catch us, my peace I give to you. He's given you something here. He has given you peace. And this is so good. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world gives to you conditionally. The world gives to you temporarily. He doesn't give that way. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I want to look at that promise a little bit. See, there's all these promises that Jesus gave us. He says, I'm going to go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then, then I'm going to come back. Here's another promise he gives us. Another promise before Jesus he leaves. He says, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit when I go. And the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and guide you in all things, right? But another one of these amazing promises that he gave us that belongs to you, just like the Holy Spirit is always with you, just like heaven you know is your home, is that you have his peace. He gave it to you. But do you notice that he says, do not let your heart be troubled. And see, this is where we get back into focus. That actually, that, that worry and fear, in some way, you have to partner with it and agree with it. In peace, actually, you have to work a little bit. You don't let your heart be troubled. We see that again and again in Scripture. Colossians 3.15 says, the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. So that means it's primary. It's over you. And since as a member of one body, here it is again, you are called to peace. This is what you get as a follower of Jesus. And of course, another great key to being peaceful is and be thankful. And then if we look at Romans 8, 6, it tells us that our spirit, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. 
So govern, we can either be ruled over by the flesh or we can be ruled over by the spirit. And it's up to you. Which one is going to rule over your heart and mind? And if we decide that we will be governed by the spirit, then what comes? Life and peace, but it's up to you. And peace is a gift from Jesus for you. But listen, it takes discipline and it takes focus and it actually takes some work. And this world is anti-peace. And it is pro-hustle and bustle and pro-worry and pro-angst. Let's just say for just a minute, maybe just humor me. Let's pretend that let's just say that the enemy of our souls, the devil, let's say that he has just a little bit of influence on the media right now. Just a little bit, okay? Now, let's say this, that that he has influence not only on the the liberal media, but he also has influence on the conservative media. Let's just say that he's like, if he's there. Now, see, you know I was on a media fast, or some of you do for a little while, and and I was just, and you know what I was for those last couple weeks? I was happy, okay? And now I'm, I'm back into the news and unhappy again. Okay, and now as you look at it, if you're just gonna look at both of those, whatever source you're talking about, and I'm not saying it's all of the devil, that, you know, there's good things that come out of that, but, but if you look at it and you're gonna say, now where do I see the enemy's fingerprints on, on whatever your source is? And I see it on both sides. And, and you know what I see him trying to do? I see two things, well there's three things actually that you see constantly, and first is an over-sexualization of everything. But the things that I want to focus on right now, if I just were to look at it every day, there's two things that come out. Fear, anger. I don't care what your source is. I mean, when I read either source, for different reasons, I get mad and afraid. Okay, and so I don't know what the enemy is teeing up right now for America, but something that he's doing, something that he's trying to get all of us ready for has to do with fear and anger. That's what he's trying to sow into this culture. Either side, wherever you look, it is everywhere. But that is not what we see in scripture. And I wanna show you this amazing passage. If you have your Bible, go to Philippians. And we're gonna go to chapter four. This is, this is just a power, powerhouse uh, chapter of the Bible. And we're gonna actually start towards the end and work our way up. And so let's go to verse 12 here. And so Paul tells us in Philippians four, he says, I know because I've been there. I know what it is to be in need. I felt that before. And I also know what it is to have plenty. And here it is, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and I love this, and I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now the first thing I wanted you to see here is I have learned. I've learned to be content. So actually, our natural state is not peace, and our natural state is not contentment. That that we have to learn how to walk in that. It's not our normal inclination. And then he says, and I have learned, not just learned it, but there's a secret to it. There's actually some keys that you've got to turn here in order to live in contentment and peace. And I think that's interesting because you don't see that without the fruits of the Spirit. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture, well, I have learned the secret of being patient. Just be patient. It doesn't say, well, there's the secret of love. It just says, choose love. But something about peace takes some work and takes some focus. And so how do we learn the secret of contentment? Let's go up a little bit further in this passage. 
and see what Paul has to say, how he's setting this up. And so we're going to go up now to verse 4. Powerful, powerful words. And he says, 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. I will say it again, rejoice. You know what I love about that? He's like, uh, you weren't paying attention, guys. Rejoice in the Lord always. No, no, no. listen to me. Again, I'm going to say it. Rejoice. And then let your gentleness, not your anger, not your angst, not your frustration, let your gentleness, that has something to do with peace, the way you're going to go after things. Are you going to go after things with gentleness? Well, let that be evident to all. And then here's another power-packed peace verse. The Lord is near. Where do we find our peace? He is with us, right? And then he says, and don't be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I love this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This peace that doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be peaceful right now, but I am. I should be freaking out, but I'm not. Actually guards my heart. It guards my mind. So I can do what God wants me to do in the midst of it. But I want you to understand that you also have to guard your peace. And so if you look at verse 8, it talks about whatever's true, right, pure, lovely, noble, praiseworthy, excellent. Think about these things. So, if you see something that's not true, right, pure, and lovely, stop thinking about it. Don't feed your soul with that stuff. If it's not true, right, pure, and lovely, why would we take it in? So we guard our hearts because our peace will guard us. And then it says, with focused prayer and petition, thanksgiving. Here's part of the secret to your peace. It is a prayer that seeks the Father's face. It's a prayer that seeks the will and the heart of God. It's not just kind of, I mean, you can pray about anything, but it's not just kind of dumping everything on God. It's looking to him. What are you doing in the middle of this? One of my, my favorite theologians and philosophers, uh, she said this, if you want to bring it up, if you don't have peace, you haven't prayed. That's my wife right there. Now, she says, I got that from some pastor, but I got it from her, so I'm crediting it to her. And she says, if you don't have peace, you haven't prayed. If you saw the movie uh, Shadowlands, uh, Anthony Hopkins playing C.S. Lewis, I, don't, I haven't found where C.S. Lewis actually said this, but Anthony Hopkins said, as C.S. Lewis, he says, I don't pray to change God, I pray to change me. Now, C.S. Lewis said things like that, right? He's right. Part of prayer is to align your will with the heart of God. And if you come out of your prayer time and you're still freaked out, well, then you're not done praying. We got to come in and see what is God doing in the midst of this. Lord, what's your will here? What's your plan? What is this all about? And prayer actually should change you. And if that doesn't happen, then you're not done. I heard a, a, another pastor say, uh, talking about his wife, he says, when my wife prays, she starts with, Jesus, what are you doing? It's pretty good. Because even when I pray for people right here, you know what I do? I say, hey, Jesus, will you do what I want done? You know, let's heal this person. God, will you heal them? Lord, help their, help their job, right? I usually start with what I'm doing. And I think we all need to learn in our prayer to say, now, Jesus, what are you doing? And what if actually God isn't healing them right now? Because sometimes he chooses not to. So, Lord, what are you doing? 
What if he wants to work on their heart? What if he's working on their family? What if he is bringing something else forward through the sickness? What if that job, we're saying, oh Lord, please save that job, please keep him in that job. And what if God is saying, they're not supposed to be in that job. I'm actually trying to get them out of that job. Or what if this struggle that I have in my life right now that I'm going through is actually the struggle I need to become the person that he wants me to be? Have you ever thought about it that sometimes actually we are praying, we're trying to pray our way out of God's will? Here he has us and we're like, well, let's change this. And God's actually, you know what? I don't want to change that. I want to change this. There's something else that I'm doing there. Jesus, what are you doing right now? How can I join in on what you're doing? And guess what happens? Peace comes when we align with his will. See, we thought, we thought that peace was circumstantial. It's not. It's providential. We think if the circumstances change, then peace will come. That's not how it works. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. I was, uh, recently did a funeral for a friend of our family, a long-term friend. And uh, as we were, uh, I went and met with the family, and they have girls about the same age as our girls. And I'm talking, and I didn't do a very good job as I'm with the family. And I, I just, I was like, you know, we all wanted her to be healed, and I don't know why God does heal. I don't know why God doesn't heal. And, and she, she looked at me, her daughter, and, and she corrected me, and she said, Pastor Carl, you know what? God always has our best interest in mind. And, and, and she says, so I have to believe right now that God had my mom's best interest in mind. Her mom just passed away. That God had my mom's best interest in mind. And God has my best interest in mind. And, he said, and I want, she said, and I want you to think about how my mom is celebrating right now and where she's at right now. And I was like, would you just take over and pastor the rest of this for me now? That's a good word. That is a peace that passes all understanding. In the middle of losing her mom, this 20-something young woman says, I know God's working. Think about where my mom is. Jesus, what are you doing here? Jesus, what are you doing in them? What are you doing in me? Powerful secret. Your peace is not circumstantial. Your peace is providential. That's why it passes all understanding. Know that he always has your best interest in mind. Know that he's thinking about you and he's thinking about them. And so we get his heart. And when we get his heart, when we get his plan, when we line up with his will, we have peace. Because his heart towards you is good. And his heart towards you is kind. And his heart towards you is loving. And he is for you. And he always has your best interest in mind. So if you're praying and you don't have peace and you're in your prayer closet, get back in there. Go back in there until you come out aligned with the will of God. Let prayer change you. And then we see here that prayer is filled with thanksgiving. 4-4, Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See, peace is found in focused worship, in thanksgiving, in praise, in fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, worship, it always puts the focus back on Jesus. And there's just power. You know, I've been learning lately that there is great power in focusing on his name. 
In my prayers, I've just been kind of praising and, and saying the names of Jesus. There's an old Carmen song. His name is Master, Savior, Lion of Judah, Blessed Prince of Peace. Now, I'm asking John and Eric to remake that so you don't ever have to go through that again. But you know what? Those names, just to stop and think about it. Jesus is Master, Lord over everything, right? Jesus, you are Savior. You, you, you pluck me out. You continue to pluck me out of the messes that I make, the things that I think, the things that I say and do. You just keep saving me from myself. Thank you, Lord. He's the Lion of Judah, roaring and fighting for us on behalf of the ones that he loves, right? And he is the blessed Prince of Peace. So we look at him, and as we look at him, we draw near to him. And as we draw near to him, he is perfect love, and it casts out fear, and his presence brings peace as we worship him in our hearts. You know that worship is a weapon, don't you? You know it's one of the ways that you fight your battle in the midst of it. If you're anxious, if you're freaking out, the first thing to do is you know, turn on Spotify or whatever, and if, even if it has to be an old Carmen song, turn that song on and start singing it. Start praising and just lifting up his name and who he is. And we look at Philippians 4, and I want to really encourage you to spend some time in Philippians 4 because it's just packed with heavy-hitting promises. But here's the thing, church. I want, I want to take these inspirational promises and I want to make them functional in your life. Here's the thing. is We've got to get these passages off of our refrigerator and we need to put them in our mindset and our hearts and our daily living. And it's nice to have them up there. But, but we got these heavy-hitting passages up on our fridges, right, or, or in your mirror, or wherever you put these things. And, and we look at it, it's just like temporary inspiration. It's like we look at it like, like a hit of dopamine, or just, I need, some, I need some relief really quick. Like, oh, I'm freaking out. Okay, quick. Oh, I know the plans I have for you. Okay, that's on everybody's fridge. Whew, whew. Okay, I'm all right. I'm going to be all right. I'll feel better for a few minutes, all right? Or like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. My life is a mess. Okay, all things work together for good. Okay, I can breathe now. Thank you, Romans 8, 28, right? I feel so alone and I feel so scared. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Okay, I'm not alone. I'm going to be all right. Listen, and it's fine to get inspiration, but church, we have to have a different focus with these passages. And here's the difference. It's going to make all the difference. Instead of being like the rest of the world that's wringing its hands and that's scared and afraid and angry and anxious and, and antsy, and being overwhelmed, this is the thing that's going to change it, is that we don't come to these words, we don't come to this book for just some momentary comfort and inspiration. We build our life around it. You take those passages off the fridge and you put them in your heart and the way that you think and the way that you act and the way that you choose and the way that you live gets built around these words. I want to challenge you to take these words and put them into practice. It's not just for temporary relief, just a little bit of inspiration. This is how we live. This is what guides us. That's the difference. And first, we have to put them in our hearts. So I have a, a challenge, actually, that I want to bring forward to you. And uh, what I'm going to do within four weeks is uh, I and Gina's going to do it with me. I'm going to encourage my kids to join me on this. Is uh, we are going to memorize Philippians 4, the whole chapter. And I want to challenge you to memorize Philippians 4, okay? And so, um, and now here's, I'm going to sweeten the deal a little bit. If you do, 
and you recite it, within four weeks, you recite it to any staff member. I'm going to arm them with uh, little coffee cards, and you get a free coffee of your, your choice there. And you might say, well, that's not very much, right? Yeah, but you're going to have the Word of God in your heart, okay? And here's the other thing. I'm, you're going to make it better. If you can get your whole family to do it, you will get a commemorative Grace Community mug while supplies last. Once we run out, then too bad. So, so be first. Okay, but if your whole family does it, we'll give you a mug and we'll give you a free coffee over there. And, and you might be saying, well, Carl, you're bribing me. I'm like, whatever, okay. Because if our whole church holds those words in their heart, if you know that, I mean, I think we'll be a different church. Just that, if we could all live Philippians 4, wow, it would be different. And if you have kids, listen, um, so there's the beginning at the verse, there's a few verses about these two ladies that can't get along, and then there's this and, you know, Paul finishing up his letters. And so if your kids can do verses 4 through 13, it'll count. That's the meat of it, okay? But I'm doing the whole chapter, and I'm challenging you to just to prove to yourself that you can. Put it in your heart. But you're not done then. Then live it. Then shape your life around it. Decide that these heavy hitters, these amazing passages are going to guide your life. I mean, look at these amazing heavy hitters that you're about to, if you're going to join me, that you're going to memorize and hide in your heart here. This first one, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, many of you know, some of you might not know that uh, Sunday, our dear friend Arnie, he passed away, which of course is hard and difficult. But what do we do in the middle of it? We rejoice. Right now, I rejoice that Arnie is with Jesus. And if there is fishing in heaven, he knows all the great fishing holes already. And I can't wait because he's always so generous. He'll show us when we get up there. But we rejoice even in the midst of loss. This next heavy hitter, don't, don't be anxious about anything. And so yeah, like my media fast is over and there's all sorts of bad news out there. But you know what? I'm not worrying about what they say. I'm not going to follow their philosophy. I'm standing on the truth. I'm not going to be worried. I know God has it. He is taking us somewhere. Whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, those are the things I'm casting down any other thought. I'm casting down all other darkness, every other perversity that would come my way. You don't have room up here in Jesus' name. Be gone. And I'm going I'm to look at Jesus. I'm going to hold on to the truth in the midst of it. Live these verses Build your life around these verses. Other heavy hitters, you know, Jesus is always with me. If he is always with me, then he is always with me. When I am sinning, when I have a bad attitude, when I go through the darkest valley, Jesus is always with me. I'm building my life around that. The big one, Jeremiah 29, you know, you've got that 11. It's on your, it's on your fridge that there's good plans. He has plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. In 8.28, Romans 8.28, all things are working together for your good. All right, then no matter what I go through, this is part of the plan. That God is doing something right now no matter what I face, and I can trust that. Whatever circumstances, see, listen, your circumstances are gonna come against the truth of God. The interpretation of your circumstances are gonna come against the truth of God. And it's going to lie to you. And everything around you is going to scream, freak out, worry. Be angry, be afraid. See, but our eyes aren't focused on that. Our eyes are focused on Jesus. 
And since our eyes are focused on Jesus, those voices don't have the final word. This does. This is the final word. This is the word of God. And church, I want to tell you something. We are at a decision point. We are at a crossroads. 2023, the church is at a crossroads right now. And it is time for us as a church and as a people and as individuals to move beyond inspirational Christianity and to start moving into functional Christianity. Enough inspirational Christianity. It is time for functional Christianity. To actually live the words of God. To actually believe the words of God. Where the Bible is our guide and it is our truth and it's what we stand on. And these are his promises to change the focus from ourselves and the world and everything around us to the truth and promises of God. And I've told you this again, and I'm gonna keep telling you it because I'm absolutely convinced that we are in for the most amazing times you could imagine if we are standing on the word, if we are living this book, if we move from inspirational to functional Christianity. We are in for just amazing, astounding times, living in his truth, seeing it come to pass, and walking on his promises. And it is the secret to living. It is the secret to kingdom. It is the secret to life. It is the secret to peace. And whatever comes, whatever you face, whatever you go through, listen, it will not change what he said. And what he said stands. Whatever lies to you, it cannot change what he has said. And we stand on these promises. And it won't change how we live. We will live according to the word. And we are focused on him. And out will come life. Out will come kingdom power. And out will come peace. So Father, I pray that you would help us to be kingdom people. Lord, I thank you for your beautiful promises that they are true. They are kind, they are good, they are freeing. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to get our eyes off what the world says and that we would put our eyes on who you are and what you say. Lord, give us a faith that stands on what you said. Lord, I pray that you would bless this congregation, bless these people with peace. Return their right, return their inheritance as children of God. Lord, I pray that we would cast down every lie, every thought that comes against your truth. And Lord, as we embrace it, Lord, as we embrace what you said, that we will give you glory, Lord, and we will live in peace and in power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.